0: My name is Beth Sissons and I recently caught my first perch on a law and you're listening to the DNA Fishing Podcast c- podcast with Adam Kirby and my dad. Welcome to episode three of the DNA Fishing Podcast with me, Adam Kirby, and my good friend, Dan Sissons. Winter is here. It's getting hard,
1: isn't it, mate? Oh, so bad, matey. The weather is awful. No two days are the same. Can't make any plans for anything. I'm going stir crazy. And I'm guessing you're the same.
0: Yeah. And uh, as we record this, it's it's Black Friday weekend. And I'm doing my utmost not to do my nuts on another load of lures that I don't really
1: need. (laughs) Have you bought anything? I've resisted. I have to say, I've resisted on buying anything at the moment. Not because I don't want to, because I will at every opportunity. But I, uh, I buy more. Covid aside, I buy more. The more I fish, so the more I go, the more I buy. Okay. So it's. That's but COVID lie. was the anomaly there. But that was a that was a freaky time for all of us, right? <laughs> As yeah. we exhausted Europe of all oh. their all their jerk baits. <laughs> I think I
0: think we did. I think we did. I was moaning earlier on. Uh, Estelle, my other half had uh, a box had turned up of something or other, some beauty products, and uh, and I was moaning that I wished I had a big, a, an equally sized box of mega Basslers turned up, and it wasn't fair that I couldn't find any anywhere, ever, <laughs> any reduced, any reasonable prices. Never mind reduced prices. So, yeah. Well, that's good. We saved some money. I think it's, it's. Uh, where are we? We're towards the end of November now. It's probably uh, it's probably a bit too early to do our nuts on um, on fishing gear. We should hold that back for uh, probably January, February time when we're really starting to struggle. That's how it normally goes, right?
1: I blame uh, uh, Ben at Hookup Tackle. Um, check him out on YouTube. I blame him for a lot. But I have one day. Yeah. I know you've met him. One day, I hope to meet him and shake his hand and thank him for not shipping rods to Europe because that <laughs> that would yeah. I, I would have there would be divorce proceedings. I mean, there's no question about that. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to resist because oh, yeah. it's too much, matey. You sent me a message today saying yeah. Norrie's rods on special at the Hookup Tackle. Just a tease. I'm never gonna get them. I can't. They won't allow it. And yet I have. Yeah, you didn't get as far as checking flight prices then. (laughs) I've gone. (laughs) That'll be the next thing. I've gone as far as checking out third parties in the States who would kindly forward those on to me. You know, I have checked that out and thought, well, that could work, couldn't it? I could get it to them and then to them, to them. And then just imagine the disappointment when you crack open your. um, You know, I don't know. You're extremely bougie mega bass or norrie's rods oh. and you open up and there's a tip ring on on it and then just just a disappoint yeah, I can't yeah. face that it would just be it would just be awful Suicide. I can't can't bring myself to that kind of um that kind of nastiness so You're have so you been wetting a line at all it's... mate I'm, uh, the intro there from my from my number one eldest shows that we that I have been but only once in the past few weeks so I haven't really been killing it at all just uh um, took the kids up for a day on the canal, which was quite nice, and uh Beth first casted it because that's what they do, right? That's how fishing works with kids.
0: Showing you how it's yep, done.
1: Showing me how it was done, immediate immediate mini perch, insta fish done. She was happy. Um
0: And probably she's wondering why, um why you make so much fuss of perch fishing after she uh... mm. One cast, one fished it.
1: Yeah, and that was as well as, because that's what kids, do, particularly when we're talking about, you know, I don't wish to gender this, particularly with 10-year-old girls, is, oh, there's a swan, there's a boat, there's a dog walking, there's something in the sky. Oh, Dad, I can hear some long tail tits. Do you know what I mean? And and just catching fish at the same time. Do you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm so like, Beth, I'm trying to concentrate here. Do you not understand? <laughs> Fishing isn't about yeah, this. Just, yeah. <laughs> is a superpower yeah that's so that's sure. that's just the way it goes but once they um once they had their fix and and we caught some some mini ones i did manage to throw some hard baits around and scratch out a few little oh, cool. mini cut little, uh, mini pike and a few bits and pieces but but not a lot how's it been going with you man have, have you been what have you been test driving up there lately
0: yeah like um i, I feel like um i'm kind of following the the trodden path with my own fishing for this time of year like um trying to Oh, in terms of the planets aligning to get anywhere near the boat or the sea it's just not happening like you know you get a weather window and that's the one day in the week you've got meetings or whatever (laughs) that you can't move around so so yeah I'm on the I'm on my normal path for for November December which is you know I get even if I get four or five hours, of, you know, in daylight, I'll head down the canal. I'm only sort of, what, 25 minutes away. And, um, and yeah, I've just been plodding through the, the local canal system. Uh, at this point in time, I've got the ticket for Hungerford, as always, and I've also got the, the ticket for the Marlborough stretch. So I've got plenty to go out. I'm not bored of it yet. Um, and it's that age old thing, like, you know, I've been fishing those, well, we both have, we've been fishing those stretches for, well, it's over 10 years now. And, um, yeah, you know, although i yeah, sometimes I'm sat there thinking it'd be nice to attack some fresh water, you know, the excitement of seeing what's in a, oh, yeah. in a new area. Equally, for different reasons, I still enjoy fishing the same water with different stuff so the point you alluded to is I suppose this year more than any uh it's been about hard baits whereas you know you and I have kind of done to death tiny ultralight plastics creatures god knows what else so you know we're we're doing it the other way around we've worked our way back towards traditional sort of hard baits for freshwater predators but yeah I've got oh it sounds like I'm going to be gloating but you know like I've, I've amassed uh, a load of nice JDM hard baits that I'm really enjoying just going out and learning how to use each one um, so yeah it's been good uh, I did nip out for today for a little bit it was rock hard down there There was lots of anglers on the Hungerford section so I didn't once feel like I was fishing freshwater which is a bit of a challenge but I managed to find one half decent perch, uh, shadding. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like two, two and a half inch, uh, hard baits, a bit like a crankbait, but they suspend. So you could, you know, like crankbait for perch, normally known for summer perch fishing, like active. They want to chase stuff. Well, the water temperature is probably low enough now that they have definitely slowed down a little bit. So, um, a Japanese-style shadding hard bait is basically a bit halfway between a crank bait and a jerk bait, and it just means that because well, some of them suspend. The one I was using today suspends. Just means you can fish it like a slow crank bait, and we, and then you can stop it, and obviously give time for fish to react to it. So yeah, been enjoying it. I've got I've got loads loads more to fish. You know, like. I'm in a lucky place right now as so I've probably got I've probably got a winter worth of new lures and tactics that I want to try. So yeah, good place at the moment. You have to come up soon, mate.
1: Yeah, won't well, and any weekend now, matey. Any weekend now, it'll be let um. No one's interested in work, at least of all listening to a podcast and after people to be able to talk about work. But in my line of work, this is my busiest time of year, so I haven't had any... I'd like to have thought I would have a bunking opportunity at some point where i would be like, see a Wednesday Gap and think, that's it, Do you know what, I'm heading up the canal. But it hasn't worked out. But that's okay, because you've got to pick your battles. But um, an interesting point you mentioned then, talking about uh, we worked from soft plastics over and then slowly these days using more hard baits and stuff like that. There were two things, actually, that, that pricked my ears up then. The first one was I foolishly, right at the beginning of this, 10, 12, 13, 14 years ago, would have attributed lots of hard baits to just cast and winding, and that seemed dull as dishwater to me. Um, yep. But that's my own ignorance that, you know, that's that obviously clearly, I mean, that works, right? A lot of times, you know, particularly with crankbait fishing, but that was just my opinion of it, and that didn't seem particularly exciting. But secondly, if I dropped you into a um, into a canal match tomorrow, it all, all-species canal match on the Kennet and Avon somewhere, um, would you be on the hard baits or would you be on the soft baits? You see, that's
0: a mega question because you've read my mind. Well,
1: yeah. Would it help if I gave you a minimum size for perch?
0: <laughs> no. Well, to be honest, even without that, like I have been daydreaming uh, a little bit about that. Like uh, I think if I think back to you know the black, the British lure angling championships that we were involved in many moons ago, I think my favourite, well, certainly one of my favourite uh, things about that championship is because at the time it landed in UK lure fishing, it was it, everything was completely open. So you turn up to those early matches and you, you'd see people throwing like ridiculous stuff, like eight, nine-inch like lures for pike. You'd see people throwing spinner baits and chatter baits. You'd obviously have the odd Ned rig from the early adopters back then. And then you'd have us throwing ridiculous tiny rock fishing lures. And I loved it because at that stage, I don't think anyone really knew what was going to win out so it was like you know what you know what is going to win out it wasn't just the battle of sort of anglers it was the battle of sort of techniques and i think that was like a really pivotal moment in uk predator lure, lure angling on the freshwater side that you know like as a you know, as a group of uk anglers we were kind of all finding our feet of, of what the future was going to look like and all that was cool but you know having found our way and optimized and optimized and optimized again and done fairly well sort of on that on that circuit you're right. Like I find myself daydreaming about the stuff I haven't done. So I'd like to, you know, get long-winded way of getting to your the answer to your question. I quite like to. I quite like to fish. You know, go back in time, fish those competitions again, but maybe see what I could do with, um, you know, small hard baits. Just see how close I could get. Because I suppose it feels a little bit like uh, Lewis Hamilton, who's kind of proved anything. Like trying to do well with a shit car. Like it's not quite the same, but like, like it is interesting. It's like how far can you take? different method um i've always i know you've heard this from me before but i've always daydreamed like our approach for anyone listening who who hadn't picked up on it um our approach was always to get a string of small perch on tiny ultralight rock fishing type lures but i I always wondered whether i always felt like we were missing something i always felt like we could have found an extra 10 percent if we'd have cleared out a few jack pike before building those lengths i've always daydreamed about that but never kind of came to fruition because you don't want to be carrying two different rods adding wire into the mix you know, and then uh, taking wire off adding wire in it's just a complication that never felt like we needed it but yeah i would i'd like to approach it with a different a different method i don't think i'm quite there yet i'm getting there i'm not notching numbers up getting confident i know what some of my favorites are but like i said you know a few minutes ago i've still still got a lot of, a lot of different lures to to use and i think they'll, they'll hopefully show themselves in different situations different kind of action so yeah exciting yeah, about you do you find yourself agreement about those that, that you uh, done anything differently
1: um... I no, I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything different if it was tomorrow, I don't think. I, I um if I take now what what we've learned in the past three or four years about jerkbaits as a prime example, because if I was to attribute any a bait to what's accounted for big specimen perch for me in the past three or four years, post COVID really, it would be jerkbaits. Um. Then, and I'm not. We're not just for just just for those that don't know. We're, I'm not talking big old school style, huge jerk baits. We're talking, you know, smaller. Hundred mil. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. We've caused we caused the problem for ourselves, haven't we? That we've yeah. inherited we've inherited American and Japanese so- naming convention, of course. Europe, never seems to go the right way, and is stuck with different names for different things. So you're right, jerk baits means yeah, that's different right. Different
1: people. I think Europeans would call them twitch baits, twitch baits, minnows. You could. That's a whole sub genre. Well, it's not even a sub genre. It's just a huge genre of of those kind of style baits. Um. Although, when you when you're throwing a jerk bait, you can it will do one job. Especially with Japanese baits, it would do one job perfectly because that's what it's tuned for, literally. And then, obviously, you can deviate with that somehow. You could wait it the slow sink on the, on the pause, um, depending on what wire you're using, depending on what trebles you're using. You could stop it and then very, just lightly touch that rod tip and just get it to shimmy very slightly. But it kind of stays in its lane, that style of bait, right? It, it's not going to deviate by 20 degrees either side it's got a job and that's what that's its task in life whereas soft plastics what was exciting for me right at the beginning was the fact that they were always so um, flexible literally in terms of how how we could fish them so for the novice as we were probably are still to some degree it meant that I wasn't tied into using one particular. I could fish it fast. I could fish it slow. I could I could cast it with a slack line and let it fall. I could tight line and kind of curve it into the bank. I could do all kinds of different stuff with it without it being too too rigid a format. And without really knowing, I can only do that now looking back in hindsight. I can't. And I, I, I do wonder if a little bit, that's why I think both of us never really fell in love with drop shot in that style of small bait very much. I never, it never got me and it doesn't really get me now. Well, you mean too restrictive? Is that what you mean? Yeah, because...
0: With drop shot specifically?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, it's, it's a tool, right? I'm not denying it's a tool and, you know... it. it no one wants to hear it, but you know, most of the drop shot in will see being fished isn't really how what drop shot was our drop shot was intended to be fished, right? That's a <laughs> fact, yeah. Um, mm. when I have fished it how I believe it's supposed to be fished, it is a tool with that slow fall down to the bottom and then the twitch back up. Yeah, yeah weight, it's weightless with a yeah, controller, exactly. right? The weight gets exactly.
0: you where you want to go, helpful if you've got wind or tide or whatever, and then you can still fish it weightless once the weight's on the bottom. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. Mm. I mean, it's still dull as dishwater yeah. in, from my perspective, it but it gets
1: it done, right? But it's, it's less dull, and I'm not denying the fact that this tactic was killer and it won a lot of people a lot of matches in those early black days and whatever else come around after that. Yeah. Um, that static under, under the keel of a, of a boat because those mini perch will just come and come and eat that stuff. And and that's fine because if, I'm yeah. all, I'm never against any of these things. If that's what the rules of the game are, fish to the rules of the game. If I choose not to do it and then come 10th, well that's my problem. That's not, that's not the methods problem. It yeah. doesn't mean I'm going to go out next weekend and do it for fun. That's that's just my my take on it. You know, it, it doesn't mean anything. That's just yeah. how I feel about it. But um, I enjoy watching the American stuff when they're drop shotting for smallmouth and stuff. That looks exciting, right? You know, yeah. Forward facing sonar and all the rest. Yeah. Of it. But um, anyway, I I don't want to smash drop shot to death. Do you know what I mean? That's just it's a method and it's fine and when it works it's great and it's just as legitimate as any other method. Um. But but for me, it is again in terms of fishing a small uh, inch or inch and a half soft plastics, particularly paddle tails and that kind of business. um, No, didn't really. It didn't offer me anything, and it didn't allow me to cover any amount of water. You know, I I, I, particularly on a canal where you're just lazy flicking it to the other bank and then and then drawing it back in again. So no, if I was. I'd I'd love to see stats from how the Elite Series competition at the Gloucester was fished yesterday. Um, I don't know how. I I presume a lot of it would have been soft plastic. They're ballsy if they're fishing hard baits up there, but they might have accounted for a lot of the pike that way up there. And only a few lads filled their cards. Um, Yeah, but 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 the top three fill in their card. I thought that was impressive. I mean,
0: have we fished it up there? I fished fished Gloucester.
1: No I've fished it three or four times because I used to go out there with martin Martin Paul Parnell with the z man crew okay. always
0: and it what is it's a big fish venue, I'm assuming, yeah, but
1: yeah, I think it's supposed to be except I always managed to find tiny perch up there but but <laughs> not in any numbers or anything. I always struggled up there really i i i never I've never had a good day at Gloucester, but I know. That some people have killed it up there. I mean, because there are some tremendous fishing. I remember um, not so long ago, actually, might have been last year, earlier this year. Kev Cox was letting me know about there was some monster pike on there. I mean, you know, lifers, um, oh really, and things like that. So they're there clearly. Um, I did read. If you read Will Pender's little um, like mini blog that he put on Instagram about fishing the Gloucester the competition on Saturday. No, I haven't. Um, no. It's really interesting in that there's still that, because it's a big expanse of water up there. There's a lot of water to aim for. They're still doing the, you know, the hooter goes, you run to the car, you leg it up to your venue, you get in, you fish, you jump in the car and you move and you wander around again. So um, okay, it's such a big venue up there that those guys needed the travel to travel to fill their card and... Um it it oh, yeah it, that's how it certainly sounds. I mean someone might have killed it on one peg and smashed it and you know, fair play to him sort you know, but um I do if anyone listens to this with any um I'm talking, you know, I doubt Mr. Collett listens to this. He's got better things to be doing with his time. But if he were to listen to it, when I say I kind of miss not fishing those matches, then his answer will be, Well, why don't you can turn up then? Do you know what I mean? Um, and that would be fair. And I not I haven't really got a valid argument for that. I do miss those matches. I do. I guess it's enthusiasm really that stops me from. I, I don't think we can. I was lucky, mate, at the start of the Black Days. We I could turn up on some of these venues blind and scratch out a link. Yeah. And I'm
0: not sure. I we don't could think do I that now, do could do that, we? that now.
1: No chance. The boys—they're way ahead. Mm. They're way ahead now, especially if they're practicing. They're working their venues out and stuff like that. I can't rock up to the Gloucester Canal and and yeah. and expect to keep up with some of those dudes there. It would be, it would be foolhardy for me to even think that that was possible.
0: Yeah, I I think I think I'm similar. I mean, like when I when I got the the street fishing, uh whatever it was like title. Um I I still in my own mind I downweight that really as it was a it was a driving competition. It was yeah, because it was on total points over so many matches around the country that, you know, if you got involved and you did okay in enough of them, you were right up there and then, you know, the winner was who did the best out of the people that put in the miles to each event. I'm not sure it's still like that, Mm. but to your point Again, because clearly I've daydreamed about it to yeah. <laughs> get the band back together. Um, yeah, clearly I think you're right. If if you could, if you could at least get up on these venues the week before, just to suss it out, would I be? I'd have a level. I'd have a level of confidence. Yeah. I wouldn't have arrogance nope. that I was going to figure well. But you know, I think I think to hit a a multi. Yeah, you know, hit to, to like a championship format where you've got to attend different events around the country. I mean, to do it properly, you're talking about quite a lot of miles, and to your point, quite a bit of effort. Which, as time goes on, I think I've probably got less of, mm. to be honest. But yeah, it doesn't stop me daydreaming about it. I'm not, I'm not a miserable old sod that that's just moans, you know, it's going to moan about, um, whatever reason i can't do it but there's nothing stopping me doing it but but yeah it seems like a lot of effort to to be competitive yeah but maybe maybe we'll turn up for one of Mm. these let's not rule it out entirely um,
1: at all i'll enjoy it i think let's turn up for one of these events one one time i want to i want to be ultra cautious and say that i'm not um i'm not downgrading what any of these dudes are up there doing Uh, fantastic like you know and the, the, the boys that are winning to fully deserve to win it um i would turn up and they would destroy me there's no question about that so um no more power to them it's really the only it's the only uh, game in town at the moment right that that i know there's, there's club comps and matches and bits and pieces but in terms of something that's kind of nationalized it it's the only game yeah. in town. So whoever whoever wins it deserves to win it, and they deserve whatever comes to them and as a result after that. So it's um, yeah. maybe this is just the natural evolution of it. I mean, maybe we all decry this lack of water. It's not as big in the UK. You know, law fishing is what maybe we think it is necessarily. I don't know. But um, ultimately, most of these comps are won by effort and hard work and you know it's no accident that people win this. Now, I remember years ago, you know the third wheel, who maybe we'll get him on the podcast one day. Pete, Pete and I would be texting you on a Friday saying weather looks good. We're out on the boat, turbot and brill fishing on the overfalls on Sunday. You are up for it? And you're like, no, I'm driving to Manchester for a purge match <laughs> for that for the black <laughs> right. But that took some, yeah. You know that took some effort, and it took and you know don't downplay that too much, mate, because you were, you know. You had Steve you had Steve Collett up in there, you had Matt was all over it, yeah, you had um Mike McGuire, if I remember, was all over that. Yeah. I mean, there were some serious players trying to get in that, that first one on the board. Yeah. And, you know, whether it was miles or whether it was your little your old little say I for she put some miles in for you, but she only got you there, mate. It was you that had to um unpick those venues when you arrived, right? That's not Yeah, mm. it was it was good fun.
0: It was good fun turning up turning up blind and trying to trying to work it out yeah I think I was lucky you know you, the, the thing with the black format was I, in fact I don't actually know how it is in this new comp that's running at the moment like whether you still got blind pairs or not but I think I was quite lucky in terms of I got some good pairings that, that at least knew the water so I would just turn up you know fish near them and and try and keep up keep up with what they knew really so there was there was a bit of luck involved but it was a good time yeah. yeah it'd be nice to do do something like that. I suppose sooner or later in this podcast we might have to discuss, yeah, you know, like a bit more detail of how we used to approach these competitions and uh, and whatever. I actually, having said that, I've got my blog in front of me here. Uh, it turns out it was 2011. 2011. It was uh, November 2011 was? Gee whiz, our first foray we were young bucks, man, big dreams. Uh, which I think it was two
1: two men. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You, you you look stunning. Oh mm. no, I do. Yeah. yeah, you were quite a beauty. Wow, 2011. So that was. Let me think. Here. So <laughs> my eldest was born in 2013, so I had two years of being able to go whenever I wanted before children were involved. Oh yeah, that was a magical two years. Yeah, stopped in your prime. <laughs> was that what our first black competition was? 2011. <laughs> Or was that our first canal foray?
0: No, that that let me. I think that's oh, just wowzers. our first canal foray. Ooh, wow! Yeah. yeah, that's
1: interesting. Yeah, you're
0: using uh, you're using the spaghetti Delon's uh spaghetti. It's pretty old school, from what I can tell in the photos. I think you've got your yeah, salt, I had a solpara. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I had a soul para, yeah, Good and times. then moved on to a major crop. Oh, yeah, I went all through the business there. Don't worry about that. And the funny thing was, wasn't it, was that because we were turning, because we knew nothing about, I didn't know anything about that stuff, yeah. and we were turning up and going, all oh, right, well, let's pretend, yeah, and let's that pretend we're genius. trying to catch some shoal bass somewhere, or let's pretend we're trying to catch some mini-rass. That's essentially what I would do. Let's fish that way and see if we can catch something. Yeah. And I don't know if there was less pressure on those waters back then. Maybe there was. Maybe that's just me, the wishful thinking, maybe. I don't know if there was less pressure, but I definitely think,
0: you know, the people that you would bump into that were traditional predator anglers, and I'm not knocking them you know, they would all have the same stuff. They would all have a MEP spinner. They would all have a, Mm. is it a Capito Mm. shad? Those horrific fat uh, paddle tails. Like, you could guess what they were having and they'd all have these horrifically heavy wire traces, which, you know, fair play to them. Play it safe. Like, don't risk the life of a fish by not fishing wire or whatever, but... And then we rocked up with our sort of light rock fishing gear and three or four pound line and probably size 10 hooks and jig heads Mm. and whatever little plastics we'd amassed from various trips here, there and everywhere. And I just don't think those fish had seen any of that before. Like it was all, you know, like for those, those perch that we were catching in that sort of era, like they must have felt entirely safe, yeah. like, that this was a no-risk, this thing it just seemed was a no-risk option. And I definitely, like, as I say, like, I think some people would think I was a bit mad that I effectively fished the same stretch of canal for, well, we're saying over 10 years, aren't we? 12 years. And, um you know, I I can say with some confidence that that that's changed, that those fish have been educated about what Mm. we're all, you know, how fashion has gone over, fashion in that, that in lure angling has gone over the last 10 years or so. And they are educated to that, which I think is partly why I'm, I'm buzzing a bit about, you know, the new hard baits or whatever that we touched on at the beginning. Like, I'm sure they've seen hard baits a plenty over the years. But, you know, I think I think what I'm showing them might be a little bit different in terms of how I'm presenting those. And and that excites me. And then and it never stops. Right. I mean, this is why it's. This is why it's a pastime for a lifetime, is that you know, when when those are burnt out and we've we've burnt techniques out here, there and everywhere, if you think back, there will be something else. I mean, you only got to look at these crazy... um,
1: What is it? The RSP
0: dice rubber, if people haven't seen that. It's literally like a soft plastic looks like a dice and then on every side of that dice there are effectively latex hairs coming out of it and it looks like nothing you've ever seen before and probably you know you would struggle to think that there's any level of match the hatch but you know where it originates as with a lot of these cool uh innovative things over in japan it it comes out of the tournament scene on lake biwa where probably lake biwa is the most pressured system in the world with the some of the best anglers, if not the best anglers in the world, certainly would give the the U.S. pros a run for their money, and they, and them, but they more unlike the U.S. They're they're more in line with us in the U.K. in that they're a relatively small island nation, overpopulated, considering that not an awful lot of water to go at. So, like for me, you know, it's not a surprise to anyone. I'm a Japanese fanboy, but that's why I, I pay so much attention to them because I think they've got the hardest mm. they've got the hardest game. Like, like the, cal- the average calibre of angler is way ahead. You know, and they've got a popular yeah, they've got a finite population of fish that has seen absolutely everything. And you look at their competition and the sorry, their tournaments, and you you see that actually it's an arms race. Like I, I you know, I followed, I followed the, the tackle innovations out of Japan for, a, for a, a fairly long time now. And you probably only need to go back three or four years. And I would have said that, that what Japanese tackle is, is fashion. Like I remember first times I was lucky enough to visit Japanese tackle shops and you'd get to the end of an aisle and there'd be a display and, you know, effectively reading between the lines. It was a display of new tackle. And if you were lucky, it would show you some diagrams of how official or whatever. And, and I, I really enjoyed that because of always something new, always loads of, loads of new stuff. Uh, and I, 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 I believed or I would convinced myself that it was fashion and, and I quite like the fact it was fashion. I like the fact that there were cool new ways of catching fish. But actually, since you and I got into following uh, bass tournaments, largemouth bass tournaments, both in the USA and I suppose to some degree Japan, is I realised it's not so much fashion. It's actually, it, as I said, it's an arms race. It's like you know, following hookup as you and I both do in the US, like, you know, most of the competitions in coming out of Lake B mm. have been won on that bloody dice dice rubber. It's insane. Um because what I've what I really love about it is I think if you showed you know, let's just say we borrowed that and through time you and I made it work on Grapham or whatever. I think, and this is—I'm not knocking anyone—but I think UK anglers would try to come up with a reason, a reason that fits the history, the manual that that people inherit in this country. They'd, they'd try and come up with a reason why. Oh, is it? Yeah, you know, it's because there's a—I don't even know what to say. There's a there's a hatch yeah. of. Spiders yeah, yeah. A year or something crazy, and it's not it's just you're you're throwing a fish, a predatory fish, something it's never seen before, and there's just enough about it that the only way it can work out if that is edible is to throw it in its gob as you've told me many times i just I just love all that because it's it's destroying the manual, you know stuff mm-hmm. like match the hatch, screw match the hatch like. It's important on its day, but it's not the be-all and end-all because other anglers are proving that it's not just about match a hatch. If you've got if you've got uh, a head of fish in front of you that don't have any angling pressure on you, then maybe that old school predator lure angling book still works for you and still works for you very well. But what a lot of anglers, I feel. Miss is that human pressure if they've seen it all and they've felt the hooks. You've got to do something different, forget about the rules, forget about what the manual says, and just do something different.
1: Not sure how we got there, but uh, yeah, but I think it's really interesting. It, it reminds me of a conversation we had we've probably had 10 times in the past two or three years, and in one of the areas, probably the area where we've had most of our big perch on Grapham, And we're talking fish of up to 50 centimetres, proper perch, you know, for a lot of people, but for us, perch of a, of a lifetime, right? Tremendous fishing. Um, yeah. Since they good have good been luck. more pressurised by lots of other anglers, we got concerned all of a sudden that because people were fly fishing for them over the summer in that swim, Because where it is, it's quite shallow. Um, That those perch had now become wise to baits of that size that they're fishing on the fly patterns, which might be, you know, three inches long, maybe four inches, maybe smaller. I mean, I've never sat there and watched those guys fishing, but, you know, Um, and that was a genuine concern for me because not that we were fishing baits of particularly that specific size or shape or pattern. Um, but it made me more aware of the fact that because we would always err on the side of finessey, that we, would, we were ourselves now being yeah. out finessed by the fly boys. And by the yeah, time we the got irony. on there right. in the You're autumn, right. it was done. They'd seen it all and they'd done it. So we now need to come up with yeah, a man. solution yeah. for that. Um, that said... You and I aren't on Grapham every weekend to prove that theory, so it might have just been we were we were rubbish for a few weekends up there, which is entirely feasible, and we <laughs> yeah. we didn't find the fish. They weren't interested. We weren't fishing very well. We were more interested in drinking tea. All of these things are valid, and they have all happened many times. Um, but it does screw with the mind a little bit. Going back to that dice, um, that OSP dice. I've never seen a law so much. That I I would almost no I would drop me in a swim where a, there are some perch and I would put my mortgage on getting a perch on one of those whether it's twenty oh, centimeters yeah. or fifty centimeters I would guarantee it hundred yeah. percent it's a hundred percenter that law yeah without any question and there's not many you know, laws that you can see on a screen i.e I've never yeah. picked one up I've never had one in hand um, that I would look at and go. That'll catch a perch instantly. So, I think I'll so say the same for ballon. I'd catch a ballon on that instantly. That's that's the point though,
0: right? Like, like I'm interested to know why you think that because when I, when I see those those uh, rubber dice, I, when I look at them, I in my immediate first thought to back up what I've said is the head of my local head of perch have never seen anything like that. Like mm. that's what makes me. That's what makes me uh want to purchase those lures and start throwing them about. I mean, second to that, I just think it would be extremely cool to catch mm. to catch any size perch. A 20 centimetre perch on a weightless, you know, one of those lures, oh. cast weightless, three pound fluorocarbon straight through onto the far margin, just like just just sort of shake it down so it looks like it's got a bit of life. I know it's going to work; like it's only a matter of time until that becomes a thing. Like, are you thinking about it in the same
1: sort of way, or is there something else about that? I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Think? I'll tell you what I think about. You know, on when you get either side of a lock, you'll get that little overflow run off of water yeah. that runs through, so you'll get that little bit of outfall, tide. It, yeah it would be standing three, four rod lengths back, casting that out on a slack line and just letting that natural, so that natural water toe, just let yeah. that pick it and take it. Knowing that at the back where those perch sit, just in the slack, just out of that flow, anything that's coming out of there, worms, beetles, spiders, anything that looks remotely that it's been washed through there, it, it's got caught in that. They're just... They're just laying there, well, laying there, they're sat there in that little bit of flow, mouths open essentially, and just letting it wash in. Yeah. And, um, and that shape, size, I look at that and I think of it in the same way as if anyone who's had a dog over the years knows that you open a wrapper and their ears will go up. They don't know what's in the wrapper, but they will immediately pick up and they'll have a look, right? It could be anything. Yeah. It might not be chocolate or a penguin or a... Or a or a club bar, chances are it's something. But they still they'll still come and have a look at it. Um, yeah. And the similarly, if 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 you and I are on a hot summer's day, come back from fishing and we hear someone <laughs> crack open what something sounds like a tin of lager, all of a sudden we <laughs> hello, what's going on here? Then sort of thing, you know. And it's normally, you know, that would normally be to to. Um, repeat myself again that would be normally be mr cox over the back cracking open a beer after the end of a day's fishing sort of thing you know and before you know it you lost your train of thought and all you can think about is beer so there are certain things i i I can't implant myself in the mind of a perch to know the mathematical equation that they go through to try and decipher is that worth effort isn't it worth effort because otherwise all they'd be doing is yeah. swallowing sticks all day or well, Certainly, yeah, in well, leaves. Yeah, leaves.
0: Do, do you remember that perch we had? Um, I forget which section it was now, but I, I remember you might remember because I sharked you up quite substantially. For which in 2023, I still feel bad for it now. Story is, I way. think I can't remember if I think you'd flicked a lure under a bridge and caught a leaf, and then as you'd reeled in, the leaf had mm. spun round. Do you remember that? And a a big perch had followed it up. Yeah. Like, I still find that weird in the same, like within the same um, sort of topic or category that we're talking about, because I just feel that that perch had seen a gazillion leaves in its time. And Mm. I know it was attached to a small lure and I know it was spinning, but I just felt, I'm surprised, like because how many leaves? I mean, I must have reeled in, I must have reeled in fifty leaves today alone, right? Yeah, it's pretty bad down there, and that's the only time I think I've seen a perch follow a leaf back. Yeah, weirds me out a little bit. There was something, something was happening that it had given it. I think it's all related to the subject that we're talking about, because unbeknown to my eyes, at least. There was something about the way, I don't know, the way you'd pick that leaf off the bottom or the way it was spinning. And it was just Mm. enough that that perch, for whatever reason, had followed it up to the surface. I think that's the same thing. It's just doing something that's just outside the norm for it, that it needs to investigate that because that might be a free meal. Super interesting.
1: Yeah, it is. I don't think I, I don't know that we would ever solve that, would we? Like
0: you said, you can't, I mean, that's part of the reason I think why I enjoy this hobby so much is, oh God, I'm not going to win any friends if I slag off football. But I can kind of understand, like a man (laughs) against another man in any sporting event, it seems pretty fair, right? But I think the reason I tell myself that I love fishing so much is, you know, we're never going to understand how the fish think. That's not gonna be solved by technology, Mm -hmm. I doubt. So it just seems endless. You know, like any one day you go fishing and there's I mean unbeknown to you, there's probably between twelve and twenty factors on any one day that are unique to that day in a combination and that drives whether that drives whether you're gonna have a good day or a bad day or you crack the code or not. You know, what's the baromic pressure like? Is it high, is it low, is it dropping? yeah what's the clarity like is it getting better clarity is it coming off the off the back of 3 days of poor clarity like there's so many variables in angling that you're never going to fix that stuff as much as I enjoy trying to fix it you're never going to win and like we we've, we've said this a million times doesn't matter how good you think you get you might have had a run <laughs> you might have had a run uh, on fishing competitions and you know you're thinking yeah this is going well and then you go fishing and mother nature just kicks you in the nuts like yeah and sets you back to ground zero again i think that's partly why i love this shit just just yeah. percentage gains towards a little bit more knowledge yeah
1: and and but as of all these things, there are always more questions than answers. And the only only thing we know is nothing at all. In that for all the concern that we sometimes might have or the head um, messing of we're throwing baits at fish that have seen lures over and over again and we're not playing the game. And that's why I'm not catching today because they've seen everything I'm throwing or whatever. You and I will also go out in the boat bass fishing. Those bass have never seen a lure before. They've never seen a bait before. If they have, then crikey, that's that's lot, lottery odds, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, they've never seen any of that. And yet we could look on your screen and it could be layered with bass and we might have three drifts through there because we've done it and not had a touch, yeah. right? So what, what is the problem with those fish? Because uh, this isn't a question for today, but there's just an observation in that, you know, ultimately in angling, particularly, maybe law fishing is even more, you know, it kind of um, it's more acute that you're ne- we're never going to complete this. You know, it's, it's uncompletable. What you can can complete is in competitions and matches. If that's your if that's your buzz, you can get down a route and you can complete that. Because you can you can win enough, and you can look yourself in the mirror and go, "Would well, you know what today I was the best on that stretch of water?" Right, yeah, and, and that's undeniable, and that's a nice feeling for anyone that goes and wins any kind of event, you know, particularly in for us in in law fishing and things like that. But I I do wonder if sometimes on the canal, particularly which is um, it's short, it's narrow, shallow, um. By short, I mean sectionally yeah. short, you know, between locks and stuff. They can't get is away. The, <laughs> they can't get anywhere. Is that if you can find the amount of times I've walked for a stretch from a lock to a lock and think I've covered that stretch and moved on quick and then walked back and saw another guy fishing there. Any good, mate? I struggled here this morning. Oh, mate, just killed it. Right? Yeah. That says more about me than it yeah. does about anything else because I think I've done, I've done it, but I haven't. I'm going to go full circle now, right back to the beginning again, and that's why, particularly in the early days, but we still do it now. Was with far off messages to each other, like you know, I've learned something here. This is a hundred percenter. Is that you put a gun to my head, and you say you you stick me on a stretcher canal where there's a decent head of perch on there, go and catch me three meters of perch of any size, any water in the country, I'm probably going to fish with a little ring of shads. Yeah. <laughs> it, and what I mean by that is that that isn't, there's my confidence in it that I know I can fish it. There's the confidence, but those small perch, they will just chew on that, right? And that's, that's a fact. I, I don't care how pressurized the water is. I think they're still going to chew on it up to a point in size, and then it'll get to a size, and then that will, I think, alter and change slightly. Is that wild fantasy? Am I talking, is it Sunday and I'm delirious? No, I'm
0: going to, you know, broken record territory, I'm going to wave my Japanese flag again. Like, I think that's what I've picked up from their, their tournament scene, is, you know, again, repeating myself, highly pressured waters, Possibly the most pressured waters in the world for that kind of Mm -hmm. fishing. And they approach it, as far as I can tell, one of two ways. They lead, we know that finesse has come, finesse style fishing has come out of Japan. They invented it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one way. So you go one way, which is, well, let's start with the other way. You go one way, which is you show them something big and the theory between the the theory behind showing pressured fish something big is they still they're still wary of it but the the risk versus reward equation in yeah. their heads if you make something big enough like if i eat that if i eat that 10 inch trout i don't have to i don't have to risk eating anything for the next 4 days there seems the japanese at least mm-hmm. believe that seems to be a thing so yeah they they're wary of that that thing but what they'll get back from eating it might pay them back taking that risk and then the other way to my point was they invented finesse it's almost like i think in my head i just think once you've got small enough how much how critical can a fish be of something that's like an inch and a half long? I mean, it can't it can't come up next to it and like <laughs> examine it, can it? Like, like I can't, yeah, you, know, you know, late 40s now. I can't even bloody see the things these days when they're in my hands. <laughs> nice. So like I think that's why finesse has got an edge is because it's small enough that it's not giving itself away. And I think you've got to be careful with maybe things like too thick a line or you know, something that makes something look not very natural. But if, if you if you've honed your skills and you're able to show a smaller like the ring of shad that you mentioned in such a way that it appears natural. It's very hard for any fish of any size to think of that as a low risk opportunity. That's yeah. how I look at it.
1: Yeah. I saw a I saw a funny little reel on Instagram today. Is that I'll keep bringing up Instagram today, and um, it's an underwater video of a dude fishing with I'm going to say like a like a four inch paddle tail. It's quite a crude one, but it's a four inch paddle tail all the same. It's underwater and there's a perch, and it's it's difficult to gauge sizes on these little daft videos. But it's not a big perch, but let's say it's twenty centimeters plus, and it's trying to inhale this shad, but it can't. Yeah, right. So he's get he's getting short strikes on it, but he's fishing it on a drop shot, and he's shut. There's this big. Um, afterwards, it's one of these problem solving. This is how you solve this problem and he's threaded through a pin, and he's pulled some braid through it. Basically, he sided stinger onto the end of it. They don't show you the result at the end of it, right? As I'm watching it, I'm thinking, just cut the lead off, right? Yeah. Just let it inhale it. Why are you stopping yeah. it, inhaling it all the time, Why right? Why don't people so understand it, that? Yeah, he solved a problem that didn't exist there, because, first of all, you know, and, and that goes back to the, my point of using if and when people on for any style of fishing, are using small baits, particularly on jig head, um, is that whether or not that fish wants to feed or whatever, it's so, if it's on the drop or if that lures off the bottom, even if it's on the bottom, to be honest with you, it's so easy to inhale. There's so little effort involved, imparted by that fish inhaling that, Yeah, that it's that's where the, it's, the maths comes in in its mind. It's going... Well, I'm not expending much energy. I might as well give it a crack, right, and see what goes on here, you know. And um, that's that's the nuts and bolts of me when when we're fishing tiny, in comparison, really, you know, but very small. Is that that fish hasn't got a part much action. I wish I had the nuts to go on a canal and fish ten inch swim baits up there. Not, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna rinse it a perch up there, of course, but you know, for pike maybe. Yeah. I wish I had the nuts to do it, but I've got a feeling I'd walk three miles one way, three miles back, not cut, not catch a thing and come That'd back and go, well, that was a waste of everyone's time. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. But if, you could, if you're going to mark it down and say, well, you know what, this winter I'm going to catch a PB pike on the canal, that's probably how you're going to do it, right? Yeah. It's by just going big. And when it happens, it's going to be spectacular. It's going to be the most enjoyable thing you've ever done to watch maybe a... You know, an 85 centimeter pike come out of nowhere in a canal and smash yeah. a 10 inch swim bait, you know. So, yeah. um, I guess it's horses for courses, but I wouldn't necessarily, you know, hit a again. It takes some nuts to fish a comp and turn up and try and fish 10 inch swim baits for, I, I, yeah, that. That, that's a and step too far for me because I think you've got the only way around, the only no, way I could it's... see that would work would be and this would leave us down a rabbit hole at 56 minutes in that we're not going to get into today, for sure, (laughs) is scoring systems on those matches. Because as we know, not from fishing World Championships, but for practising for that stuff, if you're fishing to FIPS rules, those bigger fish come into play a lot more all of a sudden. So this is a conversation we've had over the years about... Length
0: squared, basically, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Length squared. So all of a sudden, that, that, um, that 60 centimetre pike is worth way more than you know six and, and i think that should be a consideration
0: for anyone that's considering starting a new um, lure league championship or whatever is yeah you know if we agree that the way the way for a lure competition tournament series whatever to be successful is to be attractive to as many people as as many anglers as possible then it's coming up with it's coming up with a set of rules that that anyone can win it again. A bit like we were saying mm. at the start of this podcast, where in the early days of the comp, you'd have people turning up with huge baits, like you say, or little stuff, tiny stuff, like we had, and everyone was going to those first events thinking that that they had the winning formula. Yeah, I'd love to see that come back again.
1: And it, 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 we will talk about this one day, but. It reminds me again, and when we were green, green now, a lot of people would argue, and you'd probably be quite greener than we are now. We were rocking up to some of these black events, particularly the first couple. And it was like, right, what do we need to do to be competitive here? And we're looking around. Ultimately, if you remember, particularly at Exeter, we got up there early in the morning and just walked along a bit of the canal and then just looked and went, Oh, yeah, there's a lot of small perch there. That'll do for us. Rather than speculate on, oh, but there might be some yeah. £25 pike in the middle. The, the images, was, well, we've seen those. The images those. of that
0: walk in my head are as clear as if they were yesterday. Like that was such that was such an exciting time, but like you say, we're <laughs> just rolling on to an hour now. Like I can't believe you've gone there. Yeah, we're going to have to save it for no.
1: another time. It was a ridiculous. We will we'll save uh, that for another time. Well, theory. let's be honest. If the weather keeps misbehaving the way it is, and we're forced to talk about old war stories, then that's where we end <laughs> yeah. up. We should probably. Uh, should we apologise for the lack of pods in the past few weeks? Does anyone care? I don't know if you care or not enough to. Care to be honest, but we've been beset with technical difficulties. Um, we don't as again we don't really know what we're doing. So, yeah. um, by virtue of the fact we're putting them out in big hour long chunks here and there, it's hopefully enough to keep your ears entertained at least for a week or two until we can go. And we'll promise this is a Danny guarantee coming up right here. The more the more we fish, the more we'll pod because we feel we've got more more to talk about and it gets everyone buzzed up and infused whereas at this time you know the weather is i mean saltwater fishing it's just been a non-starter right for a long time now you know it's uh i could do an hour-long episode on it. i was told that someone was fishing cod fishing the other day and they had I think they said they averaged 25 dogfish an hour. <laughs> that's a stat. That's a stat. There you go. That's a the stat, stat for anyone day. that's thinking, <laughs> maybe I should go cod fishing <laughs> over there. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. That's not for me. Thank you very much. So, um, so yeah, the more we go, the more we'll do. And probably the more we buy, the more we'll pod as well at the same time. But, All of that. Yeah, man. What have you got coming up? Have you got anything in the bank? I wish I I had. We're just following your uh, nose. I
0: wish I had. I want to say, I want to say, although I'm slightly sceptical, that I'm quite close to convincing myself that I need to go back to Japan again, which sounds ludicrous because I went this year. Mm. But um, much like... The two times I've been before that, I've just come back with more things that I need to go back and try and answer. So I would love mm. to do that. I think that would be a fantastic pod, uh, although one of us is going to be podding at a ridiculous hour for us to do that one. <laughs> but, yeah, it'd be pretty cool if um if I could do another Japan trip and try and discover a bit
1: more It's stuff. one thing convincing yourself. It's another thing convincing your... Well that's um, that's what I mean. Lady. But that
0: sounds like I don't want to give myself an impossible task. So we'll say it's
1: we'll say it's my decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice try. Oh yeah. Well look man, I'm high, aim right? High. Do you know what I mean? You yeah, know, you never Might know. Do you. Happen. I was only t- I was only talking to um uh my good lady wife in the car back from Christmas shop and stuff today saying I really want to go to Phoenix to attack. <laughs> yeah, I've um, not approached that so, one yet. So that is, um, yeah, you, we got to aim high, and we have to, uh, we have to be positive. On the in the meantime, we'll um, we'll just maybe go and have a tickle up on the canal at some point, mate, and we'll, yeah. and we'll see what's we'll, going we'll on there. We'll ground ourselves and, uh, to with twelve
0: centimeter perch
1: like we always do. We'll do that, man. We'll do that. So. We'll see when we whenever we guys will arrive with you whenever that may be. Um don't forget DNA at gmail dot com. Hit us up, find us on the socials. If there's anything you want us to cover, talk about, let us know. I mean, give us some content ideas. We'll be grateful for it. Um starting the pods when we did at this time of year, really, after CLF. It was always going to wind down before it kind of winds back up again. That's all the way I was going to look at it. We'll get fine tuned. We'll turn it, turn ourselves into professional broadcasters, <laughs> and we'll ready for the spring, stroke, summer next year. And we'll be pounding them out. We'll be doing live pods on the or as live on the boat and all these different yeah, things. lots so. of cool things. Yeah, important. I think that'll do for me. mate. I think we've bothered everyone enough for a Sunday night. So. From me, until next time, whenever it is, we'll um. hope you catch a few and we'll see you whenever we see you. Yep. Tight lines, everyone. See you on the next one. Take care, everyone. See you soon. Bye.